This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle. Welcome to the All Possibilities Podcast. I'm your host, Julie Chan, intuitive life purpose coach and founder of Being My Purpose. I had a successful career, an Ivy League education, and led a very rational life. Several years ago, I had a spiritual awakening, developed psychic gifts, and decided to dedicate my life to pursue my purpose and empower others. I'm hungry to learn even more about the incredible potential of the human mind and spirit. On this podcast, I talk to entrepreneurs, executives, scientists, and leaders to hear their stories of transformation, the science behind them, and what it means for you to unlock your potential in your life and career. Together, let's embark on a discovery of all possibilities. Welcome to All Possibilities. I am so excited for our guest today. Her name is Raven Keys, and she is the founder of Raven Keys Medical Reiki International. Raven, it is so great to have you on the show. Oh, thank you, Julie. I'm so happy that you invited me. So I want to share the story of how I even found out about Raven. And what happened was I was very interested in Reiki, but had never uh, really had it done to myself or had a personal experience with it. And I was actually volunteering to sing at a hospital, which is what I love to do. It's my purpose. And whenever I do that, I am always expansive. I feel open, synchronicities happen. And I happen to be on Roosevelt Island, which I never really go to other than to volunteer. And I decided, you know what, I'm going to go to the public library. And I love public libraries. If you know, my, my background is in urban planning, and so I love community spaces. And I basically grew up in libraries. And the one book that caught my eye was yours. And I read it. It was The, the Healing Light of Angels. And every single story that you shared and just the the juxtaposition of your work with Reiki and medicine now, and we'll talk more about that, it just opened my eyes to really what was possible and what people are already doing out there. So I am so thrilled to have you here and actually to meet you in person after that experience. Oh, thank you. You bring tears to my eyes, really. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yes, it's been quite a journey to write that book in particular. Um, it's now out in its second edition, um, so it's available on Amazon and like that. But, um, yeah, that book was very special to me. I um, wrote a lot of it in England, and um, you know, I, I go to England a lot, so that's like where I can ground myself and feel more secure within my, within myself. What was your favorite part of the book, do you think? I and I want to cover this a bit later as well, but it was it was reading about your experience healing at nine eleven or af in the aftermath of nine eleven and and for someone who grew up in the city, I had my senior prom at Windows on the World. That was where oh. I like I have so many family memories of being there, and um, 
and what you had shared and what you observed and how that impacted you. So, so before we go there, that's sort of a teaser. I want to, I want to start by by having you share with us how it is that you got started doing Reiki and what has that journey been like for you? Well, I was an actor and I had I was in New York in the midst of an acting career and I was having a lot of fun doing that. And then one day my um my yoga teacher came cuz I had a, a private yoga teacher at the time and she had just taken a Reiki class on the weekend. So um, she gave me Reiki um, at the end of our practice, our yoga practice. She gave me Reiki. And so it was so amazing to me. It struck me so deeply immediately. The minute she put her hands on me, I, I felt like I wanted to learn how to do it. So through a whole set of circumstances, I ended up training not too long after that. And then I I found a good teacher and I studied with her and I became a Reiki master teacher in 1995. Um, So I didn't know what was going to happen. I was still an actor, but um, very soon thereafter, my um, husband, who's um, no longer with us, he's deceased now, but he was a musician. And one of the things that he did was uh, he gave guitar lessons. So we had a guitar student at the house who, um, on the day that my Reiki table was delivered, who said, oh my gosh, what's that big box, Michael? And Michael said, well, that's my wife's Reiki table. She's a Reiki master now. And he said, oh my gosh, I've never really heard that word before, but just last night, my girlfriend, Lavinia Erico, was telling me that um, she's looking for one of those, and she owns Equinox Fitness. I was like, so anyway, it came to pass that I ended up giving Reiki to Lavinia, and she hired me, so I was doing Reiki in the spa at 76th in Amsterdam, Equinox, which was one of the only two clubs, I think, that existed then. And um, editors started coming in from different magazines. So the word started to get out in the national, through women's national magazines about Reiki. And then um, they knew that I was spiritual at Equinox. So they asked me if I would teach meditation well, I'd never done that before, but I just said, oh, sure. <laughs> so I started teaching meditation, but it became a real big deal to me and a huge part of my unfolding career in the healing arts. And one of the meditation students um, became my client. So it came to pass that after knowing her for about a year, she came to me and she was told me she needed to have open-heart surgery, and she was interviewing surgeons. And she was about to interview Mehmet Oz, Dr. Oz. And um, so there had been an article in the newspaper in the New York Times in 1995 about how, now this is year 2000, but in 1995 there was an article that um, had even photographs of Dr. Oz during open-heart surgery with... Um, a woman named Julie Motz and another character in the operating room, 
another healer. And, and um, so she asked if I could come in as a Reiki master, um, and would I go with her? And I said, no, I absolutely will not do that because I am so squeamish and I hate hospitals mm -hmm. and I just couldn't imagine myself doing it. That was before I did the session on her. So after when I was doing the session, then what happened was that the Archangel Gabriel, which is my guide, came through and said, you must do this. You must go there and support her this way. There are many, many things that need to happen from this. We will be with you. I will be with you. The whole room will be filled with angels. Just give her your resume at the end and tell her yes. So I got I, the chills. Yeah. Yeah. So I did exactly as directed. At the end, I said, well, Susanna, I, I guess maybe I, I, I said, I'll do it. Here's my resume. And I, I expected that not to ever happen because I thought, well, he must have people he's already working with. I have nothing to do with the hospital. And so I was shocked the next day when I got a phone call from her saying that he was thrilled to have me come to surgery. And all he wanted was my resume, which I had only made the day before I gave it to her. So which was why when she asked me for it, I thought, I'm just making this up, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, if you're a spiritual person, there are moments where you think, that's just too much of a coincidence, especially in the beginning of starting. Now I'm beyond that point, you know? If I hear something, I trust it. I know how to test it if I need to. But then all this stuff was all new, and it was all unfolding. So I'm. it was really intense, to be in um, surgery for heart open heart surgery, I uh, to this day I think it's one of the most violent surgeries that you could ever have to face or witness. Um, it w and then I also learned that when I'm doing Reiki, the sight of blood doesn't bother me. Imagine that. <laughs> wow, I mean that's on a whole nother level too. Open heart surgery. It yeah. is. I, it's with an electric saw. Mm -hmm. opening the chest and and I work now a lot with uh, breast cancer because I'm um, I've been working for years with Dr. Sheldon Mark Feldman who I started out at Columbia Presbyterian Hospital with him and he is now at Montefiore um, they have him luckily for them and for him too because it's a really amazing hospital for research and they're very open-minded and open-hearted and we're expecting big things for Reiki at Montefiore but anyway I got to work with Dr. Feldman for a long time and um, um, now we're at a place where we're uh, my company that I started the Raven Keys Medical Reiki International um, was started because Dr. Feldman knew that I was training Reiki masters in how to go into surgery. That's the whole focus of my company at present. We also provide um, medical Reiki masters for people who need that assistance during surgery. They can get in touch with us, and we have I have now medical Reiki masters all over the world, and it happened very quickly. So 
Um, we're about to do a research project. Dr. Feldman has a team together, and um, my company created a not-for-profit company that I've stepped away from that's running on its own, but we're just beginning to collect um, donations, and we're going to fund a research project to prove the efficacy of Reiki in the operating room. Beautiful, incredible, and all of those things came when you decided to listen to the Archangels yes. and, and actually move forward with that. Yes. So I want to first let our audience know what happens when you do Reiki in the operating room. Like what, what do you do? And, and there may be some people who may be not so familiar with Reiki as well. What do you do and how does it impact the patient that you are there for as well as all the other people who are in the room, the doctors, everyone else? Well, once a surgery gets underway, it's very important that I kind of stay in two worlds. I have to be in the world of listening to the energy and feeling into the patient um, and just, I don't know how to describe it. It's kind of like a, a merging together in an energetic field and um, just giving them this unconditional pure love from the universe, which is Reiki. Um, it's really what our cells are run on. So when you, well, anyway, so I, so I have to stay really still for the most part. And it depends on what kind of surgery it is. Um, if it's breast cancer surgery, then I'll be at the patient's head and listening all the time to what the anesthesiologist needs. Um, so sometimes I have to move very quickly. Um, I might have to even leave the room sometimes if there are going to be x-rays taken, or, and sometimes in today's world, there's even radiation that can happen during surgery while the wound is open after, for breast cancer. Sometimes in certain, in certain situations, the, um, the, there will be radiation administered right then and there. So we all have to get out of the operating room then while the machinery does what it's going to do. But for the patient, it's a really wonderful thing because there's always somebody with them from the moment they arrive at the hospital until their family comes to them in the recovery room. They're, the patient is never alone. So that is like a through line for them just on a practical level. There's one person there that, that they know is there only for them even without the Reiki. But with the Reiki, um, they go to sleep sometimes in pre-op. I mean, they can become so relaxed, and um, they don't have the same anxiety going into the operating room at all. It's just like, okay, well, here we are, and here you are. And as long as I, you know, I'm there, oftentimes when we first arrive, I can hold their hand. You can imagine... What it's like, I don't know if you've ever had surgery, but um, 
I I had surgery when I had my kidney removed, which you may have read about in the angel book. But um, yeah, it's a very terrifying thing to walk into a room that's so bright that your eyes want to go to slits, you know, and um, it's freezing cold and everyone in there is a stranger. And beyond that, the only thing you can see would be their eyes is their eyes because the rest of them is really totally covered up gloves there have something on their head a mask all these scrubs everything so to enter a situation like that and turn your life over to someone and to all these people who are total strangers to you is such a really strong act of faith under any circumstances whatsoever it's just um i don't know how people manage to go to surgery without one of us present. It's the most terrifying place on earth, but it happens all every day. And that's the thing that um, the Archangel Gabriel told me needs to change. And um, I received that message that I needed to train other Reiki masters at a time in my life. My husband was, you know, in very bad shape and I was very brokenhearted and I was in a um, sacred place, and I was um, meditating on what to do. Um, and all of a sudden, you know, Gabriel came, and I was like washed in beautiful light and loved so deeply, and just, and it went on and on for I don't know how long. And then there was peace after that. And then Gabriel said, the way for you to continue to be healed is for you to turn your attention to a greater matter. And the greater matter is that it's time for you to train other Reiki masters in how to go into surgery because this is the wave of the future. This needs to happen. It needs to happen for more reasons than you know. And um, please accept this mission. And um, I did accept it. And then once I started to um, teach Reiki masters in the very first class in New York City, it just exploded. And um, before I knew it, I was in Canada and I'm all over the United States. And it's just in a, just a short amount of time, it's boomed so much that um, now I have three teachers besides myself and I have um, med certified medical Reiki masters in, that are in a registry um, in my company in my company registry if anybody calls up or sends us an email from anywhere we can get somebody to them to work with them because I have Reiki medical Reiki masters now in throughout the United States Canada Scotland Ireland England and one in Dubai, even. Wow. International mm. phenomenon. Yeah. Okay, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, I'm going to ask Raven about what exactly are the benefits of having a medical Reiki practitioner in the operating room. We'll be right back.
Do you have a story or a comment you'd like to share? I'd love to hear from you. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at All Possible Show. You can also connect with me directly at my own website, beingmypurpose.com. Greetings, Mouth Media Network listener. My name is Davin Riley, and I'm willing to bet you like music. And even if my assumption is wrong, I still think you should come and check out our show, The Music Lover Podcast, where we sit down with entrepreneurs, pioneers, artists, and the unsung heroes of the music industry. Together, we'll uncover the insider perspectives on some of your favorite companies and artists as we analyze music business trends through a technological lens. Find us at the Music Lover Podcast, but remember, that's Music Lover without the vowels. M-S-C-L-V-R. Yes, we're that cool. And since you're cool too, we should be friends. The Music Lover Podcast. We'll see you there. Welcome back to All Possibilities. I'm here with Raven Keys, who is a Reiki master, and we were just talking about her work administering Reiki in the operating room. So Raven, tell us about what are the medical benefits of having this done? Well, what has been noticed is that blood pressure remains steady during surgery, which is a big deal. You don't want blood pressure to go all over the place. It can cause a lot of problems, including a stroke. Um, There's less bleeding. The operation goes smoothly. It takes less time, it seems. And the, um, the experience of all the people in the room is very different from what they're used to, from what I've been told, from their point of view. I've had people come up to me at the end of a surgery, with, still in their masks because we're in the OR, with their eyes just full of wonder. Like, what were you doing? Um, Dr. Feldman says he feels it coming into his hands when he's doing surgery. Um, and, and it depends on how energy sensitive people are, what they actually experience or don't experience. But basically, everything goes really smoothly. And the patient is protected from invasion. There is an invasion that can take place. Most people would never even speak about this, but things happen in a hospital. People die. There are all kinds of traumatic things that go on that leave energy. Who knows what kind of surgery just happened in this room before we got there. You know, somebody could have died on the operating table or there could have been a lot of dramatic things that happened during that surgery that caused the doctors to be in a, a, an excited state, let's at the very least, at least excited, if not really concerned about what's going to happen to the patient now. So when I'm in the operating room, I come in with my archangels, and then I connect with all the angels of all the people in the room, and they are really actually overseeing everything that happens. And if something is happening of a dramatic nature, they just take care of it really quickly. And also then the, the 
patient is protected from the invasion of another spirit that might be wandering around loose in the hospital looking for somewhere to be. I mean, there are stories of people who go to a hospital, one person, and um, you hear about this with people who have been in comas. They wake up, they're a different person. I actually met one of those people in Glastonbury, UK. She said, her, she told me the story. She had a terrible accident and she was in a coma and for a what, quite a long time. And then she just woke up just like that, only she wasn't the same person that she used to be. <laughs> what can you do? That is scary. It is. There's a light and a dark side to everything, right? And um, you go to the hospital, if it's a, um, an emergency because you had an accident, or it's uh, because you need to have cancer surgery or whatever it is, you, know, you just never know, like, what's going to happen. But even if the patient were to die on the operating table, if I would be notified that this person, it's their time, this is their opportunity, it's already decided upon and agreed to, not just in the higher realms, but by the patient's higher, higher self as well, um, I would be able to negotiate that and help the doctors deal with it and help the family deal with it afterward. But I have actually physically been in one location when somebody that um, I was working with was passing in another location, passing, and I was actually able to be with them and help them to go into the light, even though my body was physically in a different country. So... Why wouldn't, why wouldn't medical doctors want this as part, you know, a backup system for them? Why wouldn't they want it? Um, when, they just, when they took that Hippocratic Oath, whether they know it or not, do no harm in the whole, I don't know. I mean, it has ancient roots, that oath. And in the beginning of the old oath, the original one, there were promises made to the god or um, gods and goddesses by name and and in general and you know it, it was really considered to be a spiritual practice medicine and you did what you could and like for a long long time there's been plant medicine you know herbal medicine well the top herbalists will speak to the plants they're living things you can communicate with them that's not the job of a science a scientist. That's not the job of somebody who's a doctor, a surgeon, or whatever. It's not their territory. But why wouldn't they want to have this component added? Because it's so much part of their work, what they are trying to accomplish. We share their goals for excellence. So I, I really appreciate Dr. Feldman and his kind of, and, and Dr. Oz and their kind of pioneering or or rather I'd just say open-minded approach to to having to not just having medical Reiki practitioners in the operating room but also being being in the inquiry wanting to do more research and yes. wanting to to find the 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 evidence 
even though we kind of know it exists, but really looking at the evidence and maybe we'll find out more information. So how can we have more doctors like Dr. Feldman? Well, I think that we are going to have more doctors like Dr. Feldman. I um, recently taught at Columbia University um, to the SMBI students who are getting regular master's degrees in different things like social work and things like that. And they are really, really absolutely dedicated to bringing spirituality to their work. They're the rising stars of the future. Um, I, I, I feel the energy on the planet is shifting. The people who are being born into the world right now come from very high vibrations. Um, the, it, the energy is raising all over the planet. You can see it because of how bad things are. You know, like we're, we could throw ourselves down and in a fit and give up. But because the news media only tells us the terrible things that are going on, it just as powerful as the terrible things that we have to deal with every single day are, that's how elevated, and even beyond that in the spiritual realms, how things are. We have so much uh, assistance right now from the angelic realm, I know that, and from other realms as well, realms that may not be um, apropos for me to discuss right in this type of interview. But in a way, what we're living in right now is sort of like another Lord of the Rings time where all these different energies from all these different places are coming together to do for the good. And in this case, we hope beyond hope that there, that this doesn't have to culminate in some sort of violent action. I don't believe that that's what's coming. I think that the transformation will come because so, so much love is on the planet and so many people are calling out for it. Because when it comes to working with the angels, you have to ask for their help. They don't just interfere. They, it's not allowed for them to interfere. They can do just about anything you can think of except change someone's destiny. That's not their department. But they can, they can do amazing things. And um, the more people that are working with the higher forces, the more transformation is going to take place. And so, therefore, there, it will be natural. And Dr. Feldman is very special. He always, as a young man, was interested in, in things that were spiritual. If you go into his office, he has so many different faiths and statues represented. He's uh, very universal in his thought forms and in his heart. And in his case, um, he had personal training and the, the significance of alternative medicine because his sister was, was um, very ill. He was in medical school and studying to be a um, thoracic surgeon, a heart surgeon. 
and um, his sister came down with breast cancer. And then he was witness to how she was treated and really recognized that she was not treated well in ways uh, things were done that were so disturbing to the family that his parents actually took those things to their graves. That's how upsetting they were. And so um, he has a picture of his sister. She died at age 37 with three children, young children, of course. And um, so because of that tragedy in his family, his whole life changed, and he devo- and he has devoted himself to breast cancer, um, the treatment of it, finding alternative ways to deal with it, and definitely is devoted to having his patients go through this in a way that is completely opposite of what his sister had as her experience. So therefore, um, for him, Reiki is makes total sense. Yeah. Let's talk about the research that you and Dr. Feldman are working on and are actually fundraising for. Mm, yes. Well, the research part is not my um, jurisdiction. But I do know that um, he is very excited. This is something we've been trying to do for years. And um, he's had kind of the outline of what he wanted to look at for quite a long time. And now there's a really good team together at Montefiore. Montefiore seems to have a different mindset and heart set. It's in the Bronx. It's like, um, it's amazing. I, 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 who knew how open they are to new ways and, um, and to be, and to doing research. So we met with a few people up there and um, things are really, uh, we're at the point right now where we can, can collect donations. So we're just pressing go on that one. So, so if anybody out there wants to make a donation to um, research to prove that Reiki in the operating room is a good thing for patients, to prove it scientifically, you can, send, you can get onto our website, or on the website, um, www.medicalreikiworks.org, medicalreikiworks.org. <laughs> I've always been curious about the types of research that would need to be done in order for really a, a sea change to happen. And you sort of see it happening with you know NIH studies on meditation, for example, or or transcendental meditation, all of these different types of things, and then because of that, everyone points to it and says, "Wow, this this works," even though we've known it for thousands of years, right? Yes. And and so I've always wondered what what is necessary, and what what kind of mobilization do we need to do? And this is something that I'm personally committed to in order to either have more dialogue about the possibilities of this um, and, and even like what does research funding even look like? Like how, like how many dollars are we talking about and for 
Um, and where does this money usually come from? Like, I, w- I would think usually it comes from the government level and kind of top down. But when 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 really this seems like a bottom up thing of mm-hmm. of patients demanding, I want to have this resource, mm-hmm. it then kind of changes the nature of how how research funding is uh, can come to come to life. Yes. Oh, it's such a big issue, uh, a big topic. It's a very big topic. Um, so far, there have been studies done on the efficacy of Reiki. The, uh, the main problem has been that there are small studies. Um, there are small studies, and then they get results, and then there's always, well, this requires more, more study. Um, so what we're doing by raising this money is we're going to raise the money for the pilot study. And then there will be grants written, from my understanding, unless somebody like Sir Richard Branson, um, who the angels told me I needed to let know that we're raising this money for breast cancer research. (laughs) Anyway, who knows? Maybe he'll hear this. (laughs) You never know. The angels you are doing know. their thing right now. But, you know, somebody could give all the money that would pay for everything, a, a pilot study and beyond. So right now, Dr. Feldman is a rock star. He just is. He's internationally respected. He's asked to come and speak in other countries. He's always on the move with his work. And um, so, and he's he is going to do the study. So that's number one. Like a rock star doctor in an amazing hospital is going to prove this in whatever whatever ways he wishes to prove it um, or whatever he's looking at. And then I don't know what happens after that. I don't know about procedures. I don't know if that gets written up in a medical journal right then and there. I think it does because all these other studies that we... um, have access to in one way, shape, or form are in medical journals. Um, So I'm sure it'll be in a medical journal. And then I I just don't know. But the fact that Dr. Feldman from the beginning said that this was going to be the granddaddy of all research projects on Reiki, that's all I have to say. I can tell you. That's really his department. My department is to um, support that movement. And um, I guess this is one of the things that Archangel Gabriel was talking about when um, he said that more things needed to happen from this than I know. Time number two, you know, first to get going and now this. But, um, yeah, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. And... like, I just can't even believe it. I just, I'm the most surprised person of all. Like, I, every morning I get up and I go, oh, wow, what a life. Thank you. And then uh, something will happen, like, I have an issue. Something comes up, an, a legal issue or a financial issue, whatever. And then I'll be, what do I do? I don't know what to do. What help? And the answer comes, like, almost immediately. Somebody shows up, the answer just lands in my lap. It's just angel-driven. The whole thing is angel-driven. 
All right, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk about something that I have had on my mind since the beginning of the show and before then, and that is about 9-11. We'll be right back. If you're a business decision maker, you should listen to this. The show you're listening to is produced by Mouth Media Network, a podcasting network focused on the business of lifestyle. Because of our team's background and deep connections with brands, influencers, and ecosystems, we offer a tremendous opportunity to bring your company's message and products in front of decision makers from several verticals, including fashion, beauty, travel, materials and textiles, health and fitness, and lifestyle. Reach out to the Mouth Media team now at podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. Let's explore how we can collaborate and make Mouth Media Network a meaningful resource to share your message and grow your business. Again, that's podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. Right, we are back with Raven Keys, and we're going to switch gears a little bit to go from talking about the research project that she's working on with Dr. Feldman to something that that I found so fascinating when I first heard about it in her book, and something that resonates with with me deeply because I'm a New Yorker and we're recording this in New York City. So, so Raven, tell us about your time healing after 9-11, what it is that you saw and experienced, and how did that impact you? Well, hmm, there's so much. I um, think of it sometimes these days, and then I will get upset again. But mostly, I'm healed from the experience. To have witnessed it, um, and I consider myself to be like secondhand in a way, even though I was working on family members and um, firefighters and police officers, FBI, CIA, um, DMAR, you name it, forensic people from all over the all over the country. Um, and this was on site, right? Like I was um, when I first when I first started. Um, doing the volunteer work, I was at the family center um, on the um, on the Hudson River in one of those piers, and um, it just got to be too much for me. The mothers that were so heartbroken. It took me years to overcome having witnessed some of that stuff because I am a mother, and um, and I can't even imagine what it would be like to have. Well, I saw what it was like to have such a thing happen to your child. It was the most horrifying thing. And so I asked to be um, transferred. I was um, working through this company called Olive. I think it was called Olive Leaf. And um, they're not here in New York anymore, but they were a health center. And they had um, somehow somebody met somebody, (laughs) a police officer, and then they ended up being able to provide um, healers in this situation. So um, so they had two locations where we were working, the family center and the medical examiner's office, 
which you probably know is the morgue. So we were, I, I just couldn't take the mothers anymore and the heartbroken wives and husbands, but the mothers were the ones that pushed me over the edge. So I asked to be transferred to the medical examiner's office because I figured they were more able to deal with what had happened than regular citizens. Um, so I, I, it's actually, I don't even know where to start about what happened over there and what happened to me and what I saw. Um, it's like all the stories want to be told. It's like everything rushing in at the same time. You know, people were seeing ghosts down at Ground Zero. There were um, police officers who were complaining to me and asking me what I what I could do to help to clear the situation. Um, people had PTSD like you wouldn't believe. Even in the beginning, it was, I mean, they had survivor guilt. People, it was so hard for the rescue and recovery workers to receive any healing because they were so guilty. Like their friends had died. How, how come he died? I didn't die. In my own firehouse, which is on 66th in Amsterdam, I got to interview the, the surviving captain um, for a project. And he had, he said, I was supposed to work that day. Captain Callahan asked to switch with me because his son was going to be playing baseball and um, he wanted to go to the game. And so I was supposed to be working. And he, everybody got killed that day, everybody, except for one um, of the firefighters who was blown out of the building. So, you know, all these stories of people and every single person that I worked on, no matter where they were, the family center or at the uh, medical examiner's office, all had stories that they needed to speak about. They needed to talk about this stuff. So you hear thing after thing after thing, and you're like carrying it. You know, keeping space, holding space for people like that. It was really unbelievable. And then um, the medical examiner's office had to close down for healers because they needed more room for refrigeration trucks. <sighs> Need I say more? So um, then the police at the uh, Ground Zero found out, the Port Authority Police Department found out, and so we were asked to go down there. And so then, you know, I was there and, like, what can I say? You know, it was so unbelievable in terms of working in an environment like that where people are trying their best to do their jobs and they're not telling their commanding officers what they're telling you. And it's like, I'm not a psychotherapist. I'm a Reiki master and I work with angels and I do all those things. But when you are bombarded, and not only that, in a poisoned place, poison in the ground from all the asbestos and different things that were the smoke, the burning, the plastic, the everything. It was really a lot. I mean, I ha um, there were a few of the, the Reiki masters that I knew that actually died from being down there. Yeah. Like that's something I can say 
It might not be reported anywhere in a, in a you know, official way, but I know that because I know them and I know what happened. I saw what it, what went down. You know, one day they're there and they can't come anymore because their lungs and all of it. Hmm. So it was uh, the greatest honor of my life to be able to do that, to be um, welcomed in past the blue wall of silence, if you will, you know, like I was really accepted by the police. And that was a really big deal to me. And I felt that it was because I had my father who was a volunteer firefighter and my brothers were too and they were real guy guys my my dad and my brothers they still are and so I had that training within me and I wasn't all like oh 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 that Mike would you know throw down talk about the New York Giants whatever you know like guy things with them and they would tease me after a while and say are you sure you're not a cop (laughs) and I was driven in police cars to my meditation classes that I was teaching more than once, so many times, because I would get delayed down at ground zero, and now I have to go teach meditation at Equinox with the models looking in the mirror. And I just was in hell, you know, sometimes. Did you feel the presence of angels there? Yes, I felt the presence of angels. And um, I was working a lot with Gabriel then. I could never have gotten through it if I didn't sit down and write with Gabriel because that's how I do it. Like I I have my journal, I hone, and that's what I do because I don't speak it. It's got to come right through. And maybe I could speak it. I don't know, but that's my process. And um, Gabriel told me that, People were crying out on the site for help, it's, you know, the workers, and they were in such such condition, but their hearts were crying out for help. And when they did that, angels would actually step into their bodies and assist them. <laughs> yeah. Because angels know how to step down their own energy, you know, so they don't burn somebody out. They are perfect and knowing what the prescription is that's needed in any situation, like energetically. Like what needs to happen here? They they just know what to do. So they could step into a human body and not burn it out. So that they can keep so that the person could keep, keep working and supporting yeah, everyone. Yeah, supporting the uh, workers, yeah. To support them and what they needed to do. It was the most amazing time of my life. I cried every single day when I got home without fail. It was too much emotion for one person to handle, but I did it. And I only did it because the angels helped me. And that's a fact. Incredible. Well, I I honor you for the work that you did and and the ripple effect that that still has on those people. Mm, I know. Thank you. I wish I could have done more, but that was just that's just the leftover from then. Everybody felt like I can never do enough. The size of that pile, the 
no matter how much you did in a day, you felt like you had to do a thousand times more. And every single one of us felt like that. And therefore, I still do to some degree. Like I know there are people that have passed away since then that I knew. Um, I wish I could have done more. Yeah. But I did my best. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think we can always want to do more, but that's... One know. thing I would say to anybody who um, was there in any capacity, went through that, take care of yourself and get help. You know, I had really bad PTSD after that. I would be walking along and, like, look at, at a construction site and see the pit, you know, or even watching television sometimes. I would hear thing. I would hear something, and all this other sound would then come. I was always hearing the buildings fall. I, um, one time I was walking in my neighborhood, and somebody had let a piece of paper out of the, a window, one piece of paper. The whole thing came back. And not so long ago, it was like last year, I was in England, and we were um, outside this church. And, you know, they have old churches there everywhere. And there was a um, an iron fence around it. And the, there were a few posters that were for events upcoming. I ran down the street crying and screaming because all I saw were all those missing posters again. So, but... I have such an amazing life now, too, and it's because I worked really hard. I, um, I, I, saw, I saw somebody I could talk to, and I got Reiki, and I, you know, I took care of myself. And I just say to anybody who's out there who might not have had the impulse to take care of yourself because you're one of the people that are take care of everybody else. You're a firefighter. You're a, a police officer. You're a nurse. You're a whatever you are. Take care of you. Yeah. Yeah. Very important words. Raven, I know we can talk for many more hours about this, but I would love to kind of end this interview with you sharing with the audience how they can get in touch with you or with your work, um, what your books are called and how they can find them, and um, any last words of wisdom. Um, thank you so much for the opportunity to have been with you today, Julie. I really have enjoyed meeting you. You're very shining star in your own right and I look forward to hearing what amazing things you're going to bring to the world Thank and you. Um, I really do appreciate it and if people want to get in touch with me well you, you can go to uh, my website if you're interested in the medical um, you can go to www.ravenkeysmedicalreiki.com and if you want to find out about other things, you can go to www.ravenkeys.com. Um, and my books are available on Amazon or um, and in, in bookstores and in other places. So the um, book on Reiki is called The Healing Power of Reiki. 
And the book about the angels is called The Healing Light of Angels. And it's in its second edition, which at this moment in time is only available, I think, through Amazon. So The Healing Light of Angels and The Healing Power of Reiki. And um, thank you so much to the audience for listening. May you be blessed mightily. And may the world become a better place because you're in it. Thank you. Beautiful. Well, Raven, it was such a pleasure having you on this show. I I just have no words to describe the incredible service that you've provided to all these people and all the people who will soon benefit from having Reiki in operating rooms. That's just I'm so excited to see what comes out of that. And... Um, I'm just so glad you could be here today. Thank you. Me too. And to our listeners, thank you so much for joining us. Check out her books. If you're already a Reiki practitioner and you're interested in, in finding out more about working in operating rooms, check out her website and, and let's go with, with Raven's, uh, advice, which is really whoever you are, please take care of yourself. And until next time, be on the lookout for all possibilities. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at All Possible Show. Episodes are available on iTunes, Google Play, and our website, allpossibilitiesshow.com. This show is produced by Mouth Media Network, copyright 2017, all rights reserved. No portion of the show may be distributed or published without the expressed written permission of the producers. Thank you for joining us. This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.